20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am beyond thrilled to be joined once again this season by the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. You, of course, can find him at processtoperform.com. You can find him on the On My Block podcast through the Believe Network. He is everywhere, all the time, all at once. Mike, it is so good to have you back. What's new, my man? Andy, great to be here. Great to see you again. Love to talk football with you. Uh, just... You know, like we were just saying offline, a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of football going on, a couple of injuries that we won't talk about, but uh, yeah, can't wait for the season. Uh, it was exciting last week. Can't wait for this week's slate of games starting with tonight with the Eagles. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a, a ton of fun. Well, let's kick things off as we usually do. We'll talk about some of the the past week's game, and then we'll kind of fast forward into Packers Falcons. Obviously, as we're recording this on Thursday, a lot of the Packers Bears stuff has kind of been, um, you know, gone through it with a fine tooth comb at this point. But I just kind of want to ask you in general. I know you're super process driven, which is what I beyond love. Um, Packers beat the Bears fairly handily, thirty eight to twenty in Chicago. Bears were slight favorites going into that game. Green Bay took care of business. I want to start with a simple question because I've had this question come up a lot online and in the comments. Was it that the Packers were good? Was it that the Bears were bad? Or was there some mix in the middle? Yeah, sir, I think the answer is probably yes to both. Um, the Bears are a bad football team. Yeah. and they're, they're a surprisingly bad football team. Uh, what year is this for Eberflus? Second or third? Is it second only? Yeah, it might only be the second year. So he's he, maybe he's got some time left. But just when you look at just from a talent stamp, you know, it was, it was super interesting because we we're we were doing the preview show before the game, and you're sitting there and you go, all right, you brought T in TJ Edward. Like first of all, you get him Roquan Smith, you get rid of him, which I understand financially, but he's the best linebacker in football, at least arguably. I from the game I just watched his tape against this last weekend, he's the best linebacker I've seen in a while. He's really good. So they get they get rid of him. They get they they bring in Tremaine Edmonds, who's a who's a good linebacker. He bring in T.J. Edwards, who's a good linebacker. They they have Jack Sanborn, who I loved last year. Me too. But it's like you literally have nobody in front of them. There is not a single player on the defensive line for the Chicago Bears that could make the Green Bay Packers roster. I mean, think about that is a damning statement, and it's. 100% true. They have yeah. nobody that could even play on this football team. So now you take what of our strengths, our offensive line with, with Zach Tom playing, doing a great job so far, so really solidifying that line. But then Aaron Jones, and regardless of everybody, Christian Watson's hurt, Jordan loves first game, all this other stuff. And you go, if, if it gets down to it, I don't care how much you paid those dudes. If you've got nobody in front of them, you are going to be in a world of hurt. I don't know how they're going to win games this year. I totally agree. I was I was shocked at some of the ineptitude of some of the plays that were on tape. I was shocked at um, not not so, so much shocked, but like even going back, you bring up a great point. The the Roquan Smith thing, I understand it at the time. You maybe want to start just accumulating draft picks and and start kind of going in a different direction. But then to give probably a bigger contract to Edmonds than what you would have given to Roquan Smith was questionable, as you mentioned. I think Edmonds is a guy that. He's a good linebacker, but you probably want to protect him a little bit with some bigger guys up front that can hold up at the point of attack. I don't think that they necessarily have that. Andrew Billings is fine. Justin jo you know, Jones is fine. But like, as you mentioned, they don't, they don't have that top tier defensive line. 
They weren't really getting pressure. The edge group, I think, is going to be by far and away the easiest edge group that Green Bay goes against all season long. No doubt. Um, yeah, I don't know where they they kind of go from here. That was It was surprisingly bad from Chicago and then kind of pleasantly surprisingly good in moments for Green Bay. Yeah, certainly. When you look at the Green Bay defense, and I mean, my player of the game, uh, we I, I talked about it with Darnell Savage because he goes from this huge question mark, like where is he even going to play at the end of last year? Is he going to be on the team? To he comes out and he has 10 tackles, five sold, but he's a physical presence the entire game. And granted, Chase Claypool is on the other side, so getting through those blocks wasn't that hard. Yeah, But he set a physical tone for the game. Obviously, Rashawn Gary being back was huge. I think he only had 10 pass rushes, but there were some you know st- st- stats that said he would, you know, five pressures or whatnot, but just a, a, a physical presence there. And I think he elevates the play of everybody else. Kenny played well, as you would expect. Um, their offensive line, I I love their their rookie tackle, but you saw the growing pains that's gonna inevitably happen there. And yep. the rest of them, I mean, we talked about it last year. Their fifth round pick who plays left tackle, those players just aren't very good. And I don't know if they're going to develop them to be better. I'm not saying that they're bad guys. I'm not. They're just not a very good unit. And you have this Ferrari, Corvette, whatever you want to call Justin Fields, because he is supremely talented. But you have him there. You get rid of Khalil Herb. I mean, you don't have the same guy, David Montgomery. You don't have the same guys in the backfield necessarily. You don't have great weapons. I know you brought in Mercedes and, and Tunyon. Kyle commits a good, uh, a good tight end. But you really have DJ Moore, who – for us, Jair Alexander versus DJ Moore, I think everybody in, in Green Bay will take that bet. And now, like, your second best guy is Chase Claypool. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand. It's frustrating because you you want to see players do well. I, I just – I care about play. I want to see players do well. And I look at that team, and if you're a Justin Fields, if you're if you're a young guy trying to get better, like, how are you going to get better on that football team? I just yeah. – I, I don't see it. <clears throat> that is the frustrating part is – well, you know, it's always like the age old question of like, would Aaron Rodgers have been good if he went to San Francisco instead of Green Bay? Would Tom Brady have succeeded if he didn't go to New England and have that opportunity? I mean, some of those answers are probably unequivocally yes, but um, some guys just go to a situation. Um, you know, I go back to Baker Mayfield, first overall pick, and I think Baker would have probably had his druthers anyway, but um, starting him off with the Hugh Jackson offense, I think he, Jackson gets fired his rookie season, I want to mm-hmm. say, and they like immediately go in a different direction. I think he's got like four coaches slash coordinators. And four coordinators. First, yep. Yeah, four years. It was like, you just can't set a player up for success. The offensive line wasn't great. Justin Field, same thing. Like, we, we all want all of these players and we will talk about the Aaron Rodgers uh, injury later, but we all want these great players to play. We all want them in good positions. We want them to be able to succeed because it makes the NFL more fun, more exciting. Um, I'm sure there's a, a group of Packer fans who are just happy to, to, you know, the Packers continue to beat the bears and, you know, not have to worry about them and be little brother. There's a part of me. That's just like, how awesome would it have been if Justin Fields and Jordan love just went out there and put on a freaking show out, and both of them sure. were like the two next great quarterbacks. And we get to see that rivalry for the next, you know, 10 years or whatever. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's disappointing. And I, I don't think he's set up for success at all. You know, it's crazy. And if you, if you watch their preseason film, and, you know, Getsy's down there and you just start going, okay, well, maybe we'll see some of whatever we've been running up in Matt LaFleur's offense and what does that look like, all these things. But you should have some familiarity. And then you just start watching and it's 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 so easy to diagnose the plays. I mean, the concept of the plays. You know, if, if he's going to plan off his back foot after three, it's all short routes you can jump. If it's not eight times out of ten, he's running the ball. Yeah. I mean, because he's not going to throw it. In other words, you know, not that not that he's not that he doesn't have the opportunity to throw the ball, but because of the collapse of the of the uh, 
the pocket he's going to have to take off. So the running game is, is, you know, it's pretty rudimentary. Not, I don't want to say rudimentary agent. Again, I just, it, it was a good win me. for the Packers. It just, yeah, it doesn't scare anybody from a game plan standpoint. There's a, there's a, a point in every game plan where a player is sitting down and they're watching, like we're watching the offensive lines, watching the Chicago defensive line. And we're going, you know, these guys are moving around a hell of a lot. And that means that they don't think they're very good. Because if you're moving around that much, you're trying to protect something. And that something is, I can beat you one-on-one. So you're trying to move out of the way. And you're trying to get me off balance. But as we saw in the game, as we saw all preseason with the Bears, if you continue to do it as part of a part, you know, part and parcel process of, of your defense and you just don't have those kind of guys, you get caught in so many traps. And when you get caught, it just looks really, really bad. And so... Again, good win for the Packers, but it's it's kind of it doesn't really teach you a lot about the team. I totally agree. There's two things that really surprised me about this game from Chicago. The first was that it felt like they wanted to prove that they could make Justin Fields a passer and they could beat you in a normal traditional way. Um, and in some regard, I like it, but like at some point, I have to have the fear of God that that guy could run through me at any given moment. Like, I if, if I'm the Packers, I like, or if I'm the Bears, I want to make sure that they know that they could run a, a power run game with Justin Fields. And I, you can't live that way all year long with him. But at some point, you have to be able to fear that they're going to run power with him or do some of the you know Kaepernick stuff that the 49ers used to do. And they just didn't really do all that much of it, and it felt like they felt like they could just go and run their offense and and have him throw the ball around and just kind of run a a normal offense. And I think that kind of takes away some of his strengths too. And on the other side, Mm -hmm. on the defensive side, I think I counted three times where Jordan Love dropped back to pass where they brought a, like a legitimate blitz on the play. Mm -hmm. This is an offense and and Jordan Love, who the last time we saw him start against Kansas city, Spagnolo just brought the house and green Bay and love didn't really have an answer for it. And maybe green Bay would have, but like at some point, don't you have to try to test it a little bit? I I, I don't know. I just, the, the game plan yeah. for Chicago was very perplexing to me. As as a as a contrast to who we're going to see this weekend and yes. Arthur Smith and his team, Arthur Smith has a very clear idea of what he wants his team to do, and you can like it or not. I like. I happen to like it, but you can like it or not like it. But you know exactly what you're going to line up against. Chicago Bears right now don't have an identity, and and I think both you both both points you brought up are, are so uh, poignant because. It's like Justin Fields, especially, man. You're just going, they had 63 yards on the ground when he didn't run the ball. Yeah. Okay. Like they can't, so they can't really run. The passing game isn't good. They have DJ Moore running very specific routes. It's not, it's not, it's not like you're running the Miami offense where, you know, Tyree Kills getting a, a 10 yard head start running laterally and then going up. I mean, it's just, it's not that. And they have poor protection. So it, you're like, what do you, what exactly is it that you expect this guy to do? And I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how, they, how it turns out over the course of the year. But right now, it doesn't look very good down in Chicago. Yeah, it is. Uh, their 11th loss in a row going back to last year. And it doesn't seem like it's probably going to get better anytime soon. I did want to go back to Darnell Savage, though, because mm-hmm. um, I, I could say that maybe I've been harsh on him. I think you and I have both been realistic with Darnell Savage. Um, hasn't always been that physical tackler, especially the past two years. Rookie stuff was up and down. His second year, I thought, was pretty good. But the past two years, he just never looked comfortable I thought I thought we saw a Darnell Savage that looked far more comfortable, that played fast to the ball, that was w- probably the most physical game that I've ever seen out of him. I think, and um, maybe not a hundred percent perfect all throughout the game, but like as good as you could possibly expect. And that's a Darnell Savage that you can win with. And uh, the last couple of years, I don't necessarily know that we saw that. 
Yeah, and so when you start at the, when you start looking at the defense, you go, okay, where's the huge question mark? And it's the safety position because yeah. Rudy Ford and Donner Savage aren't proven commodities, um, and they're it's a very very important. It might be an underpaid position, but it's a very very important position for an NFL defense. So. When you think about this, just from a global point of view, Darnell Savage, for all his struggles, he does run a 4.38, but he's only 195 pounds soaking wet, right? Rudy Ford can lay the hammer a little bit more. He's a little bit bigger guy. He likes to play in the run game. He had some picks last year, but I think if we collectively thought which one of those is going to be a box player and which isn't, you would think that Rudy Ford's going to be the box player and Darnell Savage is going to be this, this great cover guy because he runs a 4.38. And for him to come down and play the way he did and to be as physical as he was and knowing that those alley tackles have been a problem for the last couple of years and just to see him come down and blow plays up over and over was you have to be – if you're on that defense, you have to feel really good about things now because you've got a guy who has just turned his – like his mindset has changed. He was this way and now he's that way. And that is that is a phenomenal uh, revelation, not only for Darnell Savage individually for his career, but for the Green Bay Packers in general. Contract years can do some weird things to guys sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I don't care what it is. I don't care if that's the motivation or you just wanted to be a better player or whatever. I will take that Darnell Savage all day, every day. And that was really fun to watch and a really exciting development going forward for this defense. If hopefully he can remain consistent with it. Um, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. We already put the caveat on it that this Bears defensive front not great, but I want to start on the offensive line. I thought the run blocking was disjointed from time to time, but I thought Zach Tom and David Bakhtiari were phenomenal. Also want to just kind of get your thoughts on Josh Myers. I thought an up and down game. I think pass pro, I don't think he gave up any pressures, but on the run game, he gave up some pretty immediate, uh, um, you know, disruption on the inside, but your thoughts on the offensive line as a whole. Yeah. I mean, Bakhtiari, listen, there's, when you're doing pin and pull stuff, when you're doing misdirection, when it's not just straight double teams or straight man blocking, sometimes some angles get bad. You saw on one of the plays where they did a quick toss, he, he got beat by by Tremaine Edmonds just because the angle's poor. That's like that that stuff sometimes happens. Um, but again, another you know phenomenal game from an, from a phenomenal player and and Zach Tom. Uh, listen, he doesn't always have the greatest technique, and he's going to get caught because he, he passed it's too flat, so, but he's got great hands. He's got great balance. He's in good body position more often than not. So he's going to win you a lot of reps and he's just going to continue to develop and get better. The key for a guy like that is let's start working on being really, really consistent with your passing because you're like, your run game is pretty good. Everything can always be better, but your footwork in your run game, your hand placement, your body position is all very, very good in the run game. Let's just be a little more consistent in the pass pro. But I was, you can't be happier. He's he's right now the best guy you've had since Brian Belaga. I mean, it's it, and I love Billy Turner, but he's he's going to be better than Billy Turner. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, inside with with Myers in particular, obviously he gets blown off the ball the first play of the game and, and gets in Aaron Jones's way. Um, he misses Tremaine Emmons on the pull, right? And and some of these things are like, are we reading it out right? Are we putting him in the right position to be successful? You know, some of these some of these things are harder than yep. than maybe it looks on television. Uh, I think the, the the thing that you have to take away, if you if you like this offensive line, you think they're going to be good, you have to have a takeaway that Josh Myers is going to physically get beat every once in a while until his footwork improves. When his footwork improves and he can snap the ball and be in, and be in a better hip hinge body position, so he can attack that that defensive lineman, he can get his second step down consistently. Like one time, even on a, on a pass, he opens up the window on a on a slide left and kind of leaves JRJ out to dry. And you know the guy slides through the backside a gap, gets in Love's feet right when he's trying to throw the ball. I mean, then it just kind of happens because your footwork's poor. And so when you watch Myers, you're going back even to the rookie year. You go, it's the same thing. 
physically he's got all the tools that you need. He's the size, he's mobility. You see him on the run. He, he looks yeah. good. So it's just a question of like, dude, flip this, you know, like, let's just change a little, let's tweak some things here, here and there. Make sure your first step is perfect every single time. If you do that alone, you're going to be a 50% better player than you are right now. And that's really what the Packers need to be successful when they go play these really good defensive. Like you go play Dexter Lawrence or something like that. The giants, yeah. like you step, like you step in now, you got some problems. And Dexter Lawrence gave them a lot of problems last year when they faced them too. Uh, I did want to ask you, so obviously the other option, if, if Josh doesn't figure it out, really the, the kind of thing that they've tried is maybe pushing Zach Tom into center. I, mm -hmm. I'm of the mind and you obviously, you know, feel what, you know, you can go in any direction you want with this, but like, I kind of don't want to move Zach Tom from right tackle at this point. He looks no. phenomenal there. And I think you almost have to look at other options if Josh isn't the answer, because I, no matter what, I don't really want to take Zach Tom off that right tackle spot. Yeah. And, and the other thing we didn't talk about with Josh is like, there's been some snapping problems in the preseason and that could be the new quarterback thing too. So let, you know, let's just put that one to bay. Although there, I think there were some issues at the end of last year, but I, I agree with you and Zach Tom, you don't, you don't take, a player that's that's learning how to be good at something and move him somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And you don't, there, there's not a, there's also, uh, there's not addition by subtraction. In other words, you don't take your best right tackle, move him to play a position where he's not as good. So you can put in somebody who's not as good as him at right tackle. Like that doesn't make, that just, it never really works out. Right. Like we had to do that with Flanagan sometimes when Frankie got hurt back in the day and you, or excuse me, when Chad got hurt back in the day and you can do it with some with certain guys, but it just never really works out over the long term. Like those guys are at the position they should be for a reason. Zach Tom is going to be a good player in this league. I don't think you want to screw up that development. I don't think I just honestly don't think there's a situation where Josh Myers really gets benched. Like I don't think he's playing that bad. I think we we certainly harp on him a lot. A lot of centers get beat. The the problem is like in the first play of the game, for example. If that's in middle zone, if that's an outside zone, if if it just happens a half step differently and Aaron doesn't hit the deck, we most guys just over don't see that and the fans aren't going like, oh, he sucks. Here he goes again. You know, like we right. do this again. These things just kind of play out. It's like if you watch the Falcons game last week, Jake Matthews gets beat just as much as the right tackle, but everybody's talking about the right tackle this week because he gave up multiple sacks when Jake Matthews gets beat so early that the quarterback can get rid of the football. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like things happen. So I think he'll be okay. I would be more worried about the pre-snap stuff, the communication, anything else at the center position. They can always hide the center with double teams, having Jacobs help out a little bit more, et cetera. Yeah, I think so too. I don't, I don't think he's going to go anywhere for the time being. And um, just with the state of the offensive line in the NFL right now, if your fifth best offensive lineman is Josh Myers, there's, there's worse situations to be in, um, sure. in, in the world of the NFL right now. Ask the, uh, what the giants and uh, the Bengals this past week, if uh, there's any concerns about that, but I did want to ask you really quickly, you had a player on your team. I think you guys played together your last couple of years. I think he was there a couple of years after you as well. Kevin Barry, offensive tackle. They did uh, the, you, yeah, I know course. you're, Oh yeah. Okay. You're you bake in formation, sure. six offensive linemen. We got, I don't know if they did it when you were there, the six offensive line with, with Kevin Barry there, but uh, they used some six offensive line this week with Rashid Walker as a six offensive lineman. Just didn't remember if, uh, if you did it and um, you know, with, with uh, Kevin. I'm not saying that we started that, but the 96 power load play that they ran 16 times a game with Amon green. That was yeah. with Kevin Barry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you bacon. Yep. Yeah. That was, it was beautiful at the time. Um, they did a little bit with Rick Wagner when Mercedes was out in 2020. Um, so this is not the first time Matt LaFleur has done it, but 
it was nice to see Rasheed Walker get in there. I thought he didn't, he only had a couple snaps, I think in the, the, the extra um, tight end set or what do you want to call it? Six offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't on the play where they did the the swing pass to uh, the swing screen to Aaron mm-hmm. Jones. And he had another nice play where he was in, I think he was in pass pro and he did, and maybe it was the same, play. I don't know, but he did a really nice job with it too. So yeah, just would curious your thoughts on it. Uh, you know, my thoughts in general on the, on the, you bacon packages with a six tight end. Like I'm a big fan of it because you know, Rashid Walker is probably 325 pounds. And even if Luke Musgrave was a really good blocker, which he's not yet, or Tucker Craft, or you know, or Mercedes Lewis, even they're not 325 pounds. Right. And so, and so if if you just sit here and, and you think to yourself, all right, what could the defense do? Because I brought in this guy. Do they do they stay in nickel? Do they go back to their base defense? Like they're not going to go eight in the box anymore. They're not going to bring in four linebackers. They're not going to do any of that stuff anymore. They don't even have those defenses. So it's just a very simple like equation. Obviously, you're you're giving up that person in the passing game, but think about how many times the tight end's staying in now and all that. Yep. Anyways, you have a bona fide like defensive end killer in Rashid Wall in Rashid Walker because he's 325 pounds. There's no defensive end in the league that can hold up against 320. I mean, we saw with you, Kevin Barry was 350 pounds, but we just used to go, hey, we, you can just single block this guy. Bubba can help you if he needs to. He can go up and block the linebacker and I'll pull around, you know, and everything will work out because it just, the the physics of it make a lot of sense. I'm surprised more teams don't use it, quite frankly, yeah. because if, if I was even in passing situations or, or got to have it moments, I'm just putting that guy in and saying, if you guys have prepped with four a four linebacker package, you go ahead and bring it in right now. You play single safety, and we'll throw we'll throw it to Christian Watson, right? Like the the formula is super easy. Yeah, but I just don't. I I think it's an underutilized thing. I was glad to see it. Me too. I've always thought it really, honestly, since that time that it was something that teams could have success with and they just have kind of hesitated doing it. So I loved it. Uh, only in a Matt LaFleur threw a bunch of things out there this week. We'll see if any of those things stick long term, but uh, it was kind of fun to see all the different things that he did. Uh, before we get to Packers Falcons, just really quick thoughts on Jordan Love this week. Hey, Jordan, you know, listen, when you when you watch the tape, the, the stats say that he played particularly well in third and fourth down. Um I still can't figure out how you get a perfect quarterback rating if you don't have a perfect completion percentage. Like that, it, it, it's it's a flawed thinking, isn't it? Anyways, it's weird, yeah. Uh, but Jordan Love, listen, he missed some throws. Um, he wasn't perfect, but when you look at it, first first start, you know, you're trying to come out there and establish yourself. I thought he did really well. You know, you just the mechanics from the huddle to the to the snap of the football, which is an important piece of the game that we don't really think about. He did a really good job with, for the most part. Um, his footwork's good. He can make any throw on the field. And they're just going to keep – it wasn't Jordan Love so much to me that was like the reason for the offensive kind of being disjointed. It was the way Matt LaFleur calls plays, you know, to, to be to be honest. You, you see Aaron Jones get the ball five – what, five carries in the first drive, doesn't touch it for the rest of the half. Then, you know, they come back in the second half, the announcer's going, oh, yeah, Matt said he forgot to give the ball. To, and you, you start going like, what? Like, how does all of this work? And yeah. and all the, the you know, the the jet sweeps on third, third and one or fourth and one or whatever it is, you just start going, where's going to – the we can build an identity on this offensive football team. We don't have to be cute. We don't have to be all, we, we can build a very, very good scheme based around our offensive line, particularly the left side uh, around Aaron Jones. And then around the, the power, this, the kind of the, the dynamic effect of having two really athletic tight ends. Yeah. You can build a lot out of that. And then obviously you have Christian Watson on the outside room with all this. And, and Jordan love, can have this really great package of plays where he's like, man, I'm going to always excel. And I think when you look at 
the Packers versus like let's say the Atlanta Falcons, they have that in spades already compared to some other teams. But this week it was for me the reason that we didn't we weren't fluid on, on offense wasn't really because of Jordan Love. It was more like we're not putting him in a situation to be successful series after series after series. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using Prize Picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, he got creative, but I think a little bit too creative at times. It was interesting. You mentioned that first drive, he gets five touches, doesn't touch the ball again until the beginning of the second half. I went back and I charted those 17 plays. Interestingly enough, 10 of the 17, Aaron Jones was on the field. The Mm -hmm. only time he got targeted was the one that Jordan underthrew on a little check down to the left side. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think there was probably maybe a, a, you know, a couple, there's, I think a check down to Dylan that maybe he could have gone to the other side to Jones, but like, at some point, it's great to have him on the field for 10 of those 17 plays, but at some point, you got to call plays for him and make sure that he's getting the ball in his hands in some capacity. Part of that was the two-minute drill at the end where they're passing every down, and that's not necessarily going to be you know always going to the running backs in those situations, but... Um, and it was that the first two drives were three and out. So I'm sure their ident- you know, idea was to get Dylan going a little bit. And then as the drive went on, maybe get Jones back involved, but it just felt disjointed. And I think Matt would probably agree that a, he's got to get Jones involved in that time period and B has just got to be less disjointed. 
Yeah, they were. I think they were like under three yards of carry for the game as as a team. And obviously, Aaron Jones did better than that. But when you look at having a one-two punch in the backfield, Aaron's certainly a very dynamic player. And it's always funny how the seasons go, especially the last two years with AJ. It's just at certain times of the year they're better for whatever reasons, whether it's an injury, whether it's just the the usage. But every year it feels like AJ doesn't get a fair shake. At, you know, early on, or maybe he's not, you know, we used to say maybe he's not running behind his pads. I know Tremaine Andrews lit him up during this game on an on a inside zone play. But for like the first couple of carries with with AJ, you know, it's like we're missing blocks, but we're running horizontal. And, you know, again, I, you, it's like, I'm, I'm a really, I'm not very, I'm very simple, right? Like I wear brown t-shirts with like three words on them. You know, like I, I like to eat foods that are not processed. It's, I just try to make things as simple in my life as possible. If I see a 250 pound running back, I'm like, oh, let's hit the A gap. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to make, this isn't hard for me, right? Let's get, let's get two double teams, hit the A gap and see what this kid can do. And it's that kind of stuff where you, you know, we call it, he's being cute or being inventive or being creative or whatever it is. Um, I would just love to have one of those football teams. If it was like, if I was running a team, I would love to have a team. It's like, I can go in as a player and I can go, I know exactly how we're going to dominate this game. Right. I don't think it's not like I, you know, if we, if we start running the outside zone, then maybe we'll switch to the jet sweep and we'll do the key. I know exactly how we're going to establish the run. I know exactly how we're going to do the play action pass off it. I know exactly what our deep shots are. That's how we used to play. And that's like the, that's why I respected Mike Sherman so much. We would get into situations. We came into games knowing exactly what plays were going to work against this defense when and how we were going to use them. Obviously you make in game adjustments, right? right? But the, the plan was there it doesn't seem like in that first game, the plan per post Aaron Rodgers, the plan was solidified. I have you beat, by the way, in regards to simplicity, just white shirt, no lettering. You do have uh, only beat. one picture behind me. So I think I've got you even more uh, simplistic. Yeah. But these, yeah, but these books have never been read. That joke's on you. <laughs> fair, that's fair. Um, all right, let's jump over to the to Packers Falcons quick because I want to break down this game. I'm going to ask you the same question because I, I, I have an answer for this as well. But um, Falcons good or Panthers bad coming off of week one, because that was a really interesting game too. Yeah. So I would say the Falcons are, are, I don't know how good they are on defense, but they play Arthur Smith has this team believing yeah. they're playing hard. Whatever, whatever it is they're trying to accomplish, they're doing it with full intensity. And I, I like the way they play D. Listen, if you get these guys on defense, let's just start there. If you get them on defense and you get them in that base defense where they got uh, Grady, Clayus Campbell, they're all in the game together. And they brought in Brud Dupree. They, you know, they yeah. got they got the three four look. If you get them in that D, if they if we sit there and go, we invite that, we're going to have a real problem running the football. Yeah. Okay. If you get them in nickel, you can run as much as you want. You just run middle zone, outside, inside. You just run as you get two doubles. Their linebackers love to crash A gaps way too early, right? They get caught up in the wash, and there are big plays to be had. The Panthers ran all over them. They just made too many mistakes. And in the passing game, Jesse Bates is a real problem. Like he's, he's so a good. he's a really, really good player. His first interception of Bryce Young was like sneaky, sneaky good. Um, but he had two last week. He had four last year. Eight passes defended last year. I mean, he's a good player. Um, they run multiple coverages. They leave a lot of space between their linebackers and their deep safeties. There is a ton of kind of intermediate throws. All those in cuts that we like to throw, like everything's there for the taking as long as we can get the backs out 
and occupy those linebackers. So I think that part of the game is going to be super interesting. The Panthers are just not – they're not ready for primetime yet in any phase of the game, except for Brian Burns and Derek Brown. Like, they're just they're just not really there yet from a talent standpoint. They're just building up their young football team. Yeah, I thought um, the Panthers oh, – go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and then offensively, you really kind of look at the Falcons. And, you know, I was having – we had a, I had a talk with a, a guy from the Atlanta yesterday, and they just – they just really, you know, they have Bijan Robinson, who's going to be special, and they they have Algier back there as well, Tyler Algier, who's who's a really good running back from the draft last last year. Yep. Obviously, they picked up you know Kyle Pitts two years ago, and Kyle Pitts is one of those guys for me personally. When I look at this team, it's he's he's super talented. He's like six five six six, runs a four three. There's very very few. He's a unicorn. He literally breaks people's he breaks safety's ankles in this game. Like he's yep. he's nasty nasty good. The problem is. I don't know how – I don't think they know how to use him. And I think he's actually hurting the team a little bit. Not, not directly, but it's – but he can't – he doesn't block. He only can really play slot receiver. And so you're stuck in this world where, like, they have three tight, tight ends on the field or they're playing 12 or 21 personnel with Kyle Pitts out there all the time, and it kind of limits what they can do a little bit because now they really only got one or two guys in the route. Yeah. So – It'll be interesting to see how they continue to attack. They'd like to play big ball. Like from an alignment standpoint, I love what they're doing. Um, but they're really, really bad up front. Uh, Chris Lindstrom was an all-pro last year, and he's he's been historically good. He's a really good best-of-the-basics guy. He got mopped up a little bit last week by Derek Brown. Caleb yeah. McGarry, if he thought Brian Burns was bad, wait till he sees Rashawn Gary. Like yeah. it's going to be a real problem. And I, I'd say the same thing on the other side with Jake Matthews. Uh, if Preston plays – at Preston Smith speed, not at like lope speed. He will kill, kill Jake Matthews. If they move Rashawn over there, he'll kill Jake Matthews. I mean, I just think, I think those matchups and they did a good job of, of, of hiding them a little bit with, with backs chipping and, and moving, moving the puck around a little bit at the second half. But if they try to just drop back, you know, get in that pistol formation and drop back, I, I think our D line will overwhelm their offensive line and Desmond Ritter. Yeah, they got Bergeron, a rookie at left guard. Yeah, their center's fine. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I think what a game for Wyatt, by the way, on Bergeron. Like, you just you just go. This is exactly what Wyatt needs to continue to build. Rookie guards. Yep. Yeah, I totally agreed. I, I I'm very excited about the front for this game. I, I think it comes down to simple from a defensive standpoint for Green Bay is if you tackle and you can stop the run, you're going to be in really good shape because. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yes, they've got some weapons, but you know, Ritter didn't look super comfortable in the pocket. Their offensive line broke down on numerous occasions. I think they're going to feel very comfortable. I mean, I think there was five third and long situations. I think four of them were screens for Ritter. Like they didn't necessarily really trust them in some of those situations either. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for the defense to get off the field if they can get in some of those third and long situations. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that Jesse Bates pick. That was such a fun play. And you mentioned uh, the sneakiness of it. That was literally the definition of veteran safety, rookie quarterback, because you've got the two seams. And I think if, I think if, Young just looks off to the left, even just a little bit. Bates probably has to stay home a little bit, at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. But man, he just looks down that entire right side and Bates just reads it the entire time and drifts, 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 and then bam, interception. Um, and if you look, the end zone is so fun too, because you can like the, the end zone in Atlanta, you can't really see the, the safeties well at all. So like you're, you're almost like seeing exactly what Bryce Young is seeing. And you're seeing like, oh, he's looking at this tight end. He's going to come right around the linebacker. 
And as soon as he gets around the linebacker, you're like, oh yeah, that guy's going to come wide open. He pulls it in. And right as he pulls it, Jesse Bates comes in the screen on the all 22 and is bam gone. And it's, it's so fun from him. Yeah. He's a Hawk, man. They're, they have some good, listen, I like a lot of the players that they have on defense. They don't really have what you would call a bona fide pass rusher. Grady Jarrett's a great player. He's not, he's not like, you know, it's not, you're not playing John Randall. You know, no. it's, he's, he's a great player, but you're not, he's not that kind of guy. Bud Dupree is, I've been watching him for the, you know, since Pittsburgh and he's really not a pass rush specialist. They just don't have those guys. So we have to be able to, we have to do a really good job at ID and pressure on the offensive side. They, they, they walked up a couple of eight gap blitzes and got home. They showed it more than they did it, but they showed it a lot. So you have to really make sure you're IDing well. Um, but again, I think the key to this game, you know, if you look at if you look at our offense versus their defense, man, if you can keep him in nickel, you can run the football, and you can get him into single safety situations, and then depending on Christian Watson, Luke, you can start doing all these things. They also they will get into some situations where they're happy to go man coverage and they'll 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 put a tight end a luke musgrave in motion there's a wheel route with the tight end uh, against the panthers the panthers run a wheel route that bryce young just misses by a mile he doesn't see him and uh he, he's being he's being guarded by keller their 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 middle linebacker and it's just like you couldn't be more open so yeah. i think there's some opportunities under center play action the run game everything i think everything's open for the green bay packers on defense and then or excuse me on offense and then like like you said with defensively with with their offensive with, with Desmond Ritter in that offensive line they're not comfortable they do have a really really good one two you know tandem at running back Bijan Robinson is you know there's a reason he went first round he's I'm down in Texas I watched him last year. he's unique yeah and he did some unique stuff this game um when you say we have to tackle uh, to win the game, yeah, because he's one of those guys where like the first guy does not get him. Yep. He just you just can't get him on the first guy. So he's not. I'm not saying he's Barry Sanders that way, but like when you watch this That's tape, right. you're like, dude, the, the first guy cannot get him. It's it's nuts. It's really really fun. Um, you know, maybe not this week, but every other week, it's going to be really really fun. Um, it's all it's weird though because like Algier was really. I thought he was really good in this game, mm -hmm. and you still are going to breathe a sigh of relief every time LG is in the game because mm -hmm. Bijan Robinson is usually out of the game. It's just a really weird dynamic because he had, he looked really, really good as well. So they have two running backs, Cordero Patterson coming back as well. It's still going to feel like anytime Patterson or LG is on the field, you're like, all right, well, thank you. We'll, we'll take it. But yeah, I think that's going to be a, a big key is just rallying to the football, making sure they take him down. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the double A gaps. I posted on Twitter that there were actually five times where they brought pressure out of double A gap. Um, four of them I posted on Twitter. The other one, the Panthers released with a quick wide receiver screen and kind of got out of it. The other four, um, one play, I think they got a, a decent pickup, but they got pressure on the other ones. And it was, uh, it's definitely going to be something that on those third and longs, you know, they're going to line up probably with that look and it's just, do they drop out of it? Do they bring it? Do they, they brought the safety down on one. It was, it was interesting. And I'm sure they're going to continue that look against Jordan Love this week and blitz probably a little bit more than what Chicago did. Yeah, I would think so. And and you know, that that whole system, you remember Chicago Bears used to do that with Lovey. They'd have Erlacher and and uh, and Briggs lined up in the double A's, they'd go wide threes and wide nines. And the difference now between then is a lot of times I can't speak for the Falcons, but I do know with a lot of defenses, they will now have basically a right or left blitz. In other words, yeah. either 44 or 55 is coming based based on where the center decides he's gonna go pre-snap. And then off of that, it could be it could be the, the right linebacker and the safety, or it could just be a three-man game with the left side linebacker and the and the you know the the, the right a gap linebackers drop. I mean, they'll do it right there. So they can 
they can kind of game this up now. So they're not going to be wrong and you're really going to have to work to pick it up. Uh, so there's going to have to be a lot of pre-snap ID. This is where, this is kind of one of the deals where you see Jordan Love and, and Josh Myers, that communication, they really start making their money with those situations. But if you can do all that, especially on, and you, that's going to be third, a lot of third down plays. If yeah. you can do, you know, first and second down, you're going to win. Like I, my keys to this game are really simple. If, if, uh, the Green Bay Packers don't turn the ball over, they're going to win this game because they're they're far more talented than the Atlanta Falcons man-to-man. They're, the Falcons are probably another draft away from where they want to be to compete with a team like Green Bay. I think Green Bay is just – I think Goody's put together a pretty talented team, uh, especially on defense. And I, I just don't see, barring we just making some terrible, terrible decisions in the passing game, I just don't see them really losing. You know, you just kind of look across matchups and you go, I feel pretty good. You know, Drake London didn't catch a pass last week, and they're going, oh, we're going to get him going again. It's like, well, are you? Because he's going to play against Jared Alexander, and if Jared doesn't want him to catch a pass, he's probably not going to catch very many. You know, it's just – yeah. and you don't have anybody. you got Kyle Pitts, and we can bracket that guy. It's like you start taking away some of this stuff. There's not a lot of options on the table for that team. So, you know, double teams and, and pin and pulls in the run game against that nickel defense, keep them out of base, make Ritter pass the ball, and don't turn the ball over. I thought the almost the exact same things. I thought when I watched the the Falcons on the, you know the the tape this I just thought Green Bay looked better than them. And I'm with you. It's going to be you know Green Bay still is the youngest team in the NFL. They just had a victory in Chicago. As long as they don't get ahead of themselves, it's a second consecutive road game. They just need to not allow that fluky stuff and not get ahead. Of, like if they just play their brand of football, I, I agree with you. I think Green Bay's got this one on on talent and just overall execution at this point. Last but not least, wanted to ask you before we get out of here. Aaron Rodgers, torn Achilles, brutal injury for him. Um, going to be 40 years old, um, you know, coming up and he's coming off an Achilles injury. Your thoughts on the injury and, and what that potential recovery looks like. Cause I know you're, um, you know, very involved with the, the health and, um, you know, fitness and everything else of football. The injury is like, it's so unfortunate. And regardless of what you think about how things ended in green Bay, if you watched a minute of that hard knocks and the way that he affected that locker room and the impact that he's been having on those people, it's hard not to root for Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I was a fan of his before, but I was a bigger fan after watching that show. And, and I know that he knows that he's being videotaped, but I, I don't care. I was very impressed by the way he carried himself. Yep. Um, there was certainly a lot of buzz going around that team. Uh, to get hurt on that particular turf is what for me is – the most disappointing thing about this whole ordeal that turf turf in general has been statistically proven to, to cause more injuries to these players. They tried to hide and, and they tried to, they, they tried to hide that evidence. Um, but it came out last year. JC Trader did a good job of pulling out all the reports, but the, the giant stadium in particular has been repeatedly marked as the worst place to play from a from just an injury standpoint for players because of the turf that they use. So for him to get hurt there on that turf, I think absolutely sucks. It sucks for the league. It sucks for him. It sucks for that team. It sucks for the fans because everybody wants to see that. They want to see the Jets play this year. I mean, that was a big draw for the National Football League. Big time. As far as trying to come back at 40 years old, I would just say this. Aaron Rodgers is has proven that he can – whatever he wants to put his mind to, he can probably get accomplished. Yeah. Um, it seems like he's pretty committed to that team and he's pretty committed to leaving the, the national football league, not only on his terms from 
like a health standpoint, but on his terms from how the public perceives him. You know, whatever whatever he felt he needed to repair as far as his identity or his his, his public persona, he's been doing a, like we just discussed a heck of a job. So. I think the more that you see him around the building, whether he's being a mentor for Zach Wilson or whoever's in that bu- in that room, whether he's helping the coaching staff, I think the more you see him around, the more likely it is he's there yeah. next next season, right? Because this isn't Achilles, ACLs, they suck, but it's not the same as it was 30 years ago where you think it's a death sentence. Like these guys can come back from these injuries. And even if he's not as explosive as he used to be, his arm's not getting any weaker. So yeah. I, I think you'll probably see him next year. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think he's going out like that. I'd I'd be willing to bet quite a bit that he comes back and plays in some capacity next year, hopefully with much better results than uh than the four plays this year. Mike, you are absolutely amazing. Cannot wait to do this through the remainder of this year. Uh tell the good people where they can find your work, follow you on social, etc. Yeah, uh you can check me out, Mike Wall68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. Uh, we have a process to perform channel on our on YouTube that you can get all on my block podcast, all the block party stuff, anything involved in football, blocking, scheme design, et cetera. We get it done there. And uh, Andy, thanks for having me on as always. Can't wait to do this every week. Yeah, me too. Make sure to go follow Mike on YouTube, by the way. I know a lot of you get mad at me because I don't always post film. Um, he will post film and he breaks it down in amazing, amazing ways. So go check him out. Follow him on social media. Follow him on YouTube. You will not be disappointed. He does an amazing job covering the team every single week. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. We'll be right back here. Actually, I think today again with another new episode. So make sure to check that out as well. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. <laughs>